Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I told you it'd be different tonight. Hallelujah. So probable, like things flying all around. So probable, audible, so beta, base, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. See, it wasn't for you, buddy. <laughs> Glory to God. Y'all come take a seat up close. We have two rows here. There you go. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If you'll bring my Bible and iPad, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. It's like a fireside chat. <laughs> Y'all did that amazingly quick. That was awesome. Amen. Amen. One on that side and one on that side. Fill in all the seats. We can add a couple more seats up here. Or maybe yeah, maybe one or so. If you can't fit in these seats, get in that first row right there. Yeah, I know. I know. There you go. Welcome to the Holy Spirit service. Anybody that's left, make just get in that first row. There you go. Fill in. Hallelujah. Living in the overflow. Now, one of the things the Lord's been talking to me about is, um, and I'm already getting comfortable. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this, I feel like I'm cheating preaching like this. I feel like this isn't fair. This is way too comfortable. Um, the Lord started talking to me about um, having a couple of meetings that were similar to this. And um, I think what we may do, I'm praying about it, maybe in the month of April we'll meet like on a Wednesday night and it'll just be like this. Um, so for like the month of April, and he just said, I want it to be personal. And there should be a mic on both sides. Is there a mic over here? Where's the second mic? You got one? Yeah, bring it, put it over here with this group. And... Um, just want to ask questions, just want to talk to you. I want you to know that there is absolutely, positively, a need, there is a need to be preached to. Um, 
sometimes our brains are going so much that if we had a conversation like this, like tonight, if we have a conversation, that the Lord could never get to you what he actually needs to get to you because you'd be talking back and forth. But then there's a moment where iron sharpens iron where you need to talk and we need to discuss and talk about things. A lot of times we'll see that in life groups, but a lot of times you don't have Nicole and I in a life group there, and sometimes that's good. It's good to have those moments like that, and that's what tonight is as the Holy Ghost uh, led. Uh, you need those moments where you're asking questions. We had a great moment at lunch today where we were just talking about uh, soul ties and talking about covenant and stuff like that. And uh, so if you have questions, you can start thinking about that. Um, different things that you might have had questions about, and you might even have a, a, a different question. You might, you know, one thing brings up something else, and I just wanted to give you opportunity to do that, and as you ask questions, Nicole's going to answer them all, okay? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, don't y'all think that's a good idea? And, uh, yeah, I'll uh, just sit my tea. And, uh, but there's, uh, you know, sometimes we just need to be preached to, and that's why we have the design that we have. We have our life groups where you should sit around and iron sharpen iron, ask, ask some good questions. Like I think in the life group this week was acupuncture. That was a good one. So uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a great topic, you know, uh, because it was like, is acupuncture of the devil or not, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, before you answer, you might want to know a few things. And uh, it's not just something that you jump into and think one thing or the other, you know, uh, is yoga of the devil. Um, yes, yes it is, actually. Um, it's designed, you know, it's funny how Christians will fight fight for something. They won't fight for doing things godly, but they'll fight for something of the world to have a right to do that. You have to watch that when you have something pushing you in that way. But uh, anyway, that's a great thing where iron sharpens iron. You know, used to in our society, used to in our society, people would sit around after church, and they on Sunday they'd go home, everybody'd sit on the front porch, and they'd eat dinner, then go sit on the front porch and talk about stuff. And it's one thing to be on Facebook and be like, I'll tell you what, you know, and nobody's sitting there in your face. It's another thing when somebody's like, you know, not fully redeemed yet, and you try to go talk and trash about them you know, or about what they believe, and they're like, I tell you what, you'll be like, you'll think twice about what you say, you know, when you got somebody that's threatening to whip you, because they ain't all the way saved yet, you know, <laughs> and uh, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's good for us to throttle what we think we know, and it's good for us to have that interaction and the iron sharpening iron and uh, I think what we're going to see tonight is not only have some of those moments, but also uh, really see some of the power of God move tonight, too. It might surprise you how powerful it'll be tonight. Um, I think that'll be the case. But uh, anyway, I just felt led to do this tonight. I told everybody at lunch it's going to be totally different, like a Holy Spirit service you never had before. And uh, it's true. It's true. And I'm so glad that you're here. And if, but there is a moment where we just need to sit and take the preaching, you know, take the preaching. I, I have one uh, conversation that I have in mind. I'm trying to get to a point in the conversation 
It's nobody that's here, but it, I'm trying to get to a point, and the person keeps cutting me off. I'm like, praise God we got preaching, because if we didn't have preaching, you'd never be able to receive anything that God had for you. And But there you have to sit and let the points be established, and point A, point B, point C go down the road. We need that, but then we also need iron sharpening iron. And so, um, you know, I wanted to go ahead and open it up. I can continue for a while, as you all know. But uh, I want to go ahead and open it up uh, for any questions that you have, things that have been lingering, and I you know, may or may not answer every question that you have, but we'll look at it. And um, one thing on tomorrow in Lunch Plus, I believe, I believe tomorrow I'll, I'll be 100% led and seek the Lord on it, but I believe we're going to be talking about our purpose, like how to properly fulfill our purpose and are we fulfilling our purpose because uh, I think that's a question that really sacks a lot of people is they're so worried about fulfilling their purpose and they and they hunger for having all the answers that they get distracted by the quest for a purpose out of their actual purpose <laughs> so we'll talk about that some tomorrow because I think that's really important but uh, anyway, if you got a question, just raise your hand and, um, all right, get the mic. Hi. Hey. So when we were in New Creation Realities, there was a moment when we talked about Jesus breaking out of hell being a form of preaching, and I, we never really got elaboration on that, and I was wondering... Who was he preaching to, and did it yield something for the people in hell to watch him break out? Yeah, well, what you see in the word is that he preached to the captives, right? And when he was on the cross, he said that he was, um, today you'll be with me in paradise, all right? So then you see in the story about the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, not Lazarus come forth that he raised from the dead, but the beggar Lazarus. That when they died, the beggar Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom and the rich man was in hell, right? So you, and then in that place, there was, there was a divide between the two that couldn't be crossed. So what you saw was that the people that would accept Christ were in paradise, in what's called paradise or Abraham's bosom. And Jesus went and preached the gospel to them because they had never heard the gospel. And when he preached the gospel to them, they were born again and then raised up out of that. That's a place of hell, although it wasn't a place of torture. It was a, it was a place of blessing. And, uh, but they were still in that place. They were still in, that, in hell. And then he raised them up and took them to heaven. So, Amen. <laughs> yeah, good question. So in the car yesterday, um, I, I've had a thought when you preach and you um, said that Job didn't know about the devil, right? So it made me wonder, because um, it always says, you know, to teach your children, would Adam and Eve have taught their kids about the devil and then it go on like that? How did it get to where Job didn't know? Well, what you see is you see very clearly that as you're reading through Job, you'll see that Job attributes all the bad that happened to God. 
you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. His thought was that God did this. So out of his mouth, he assumes that God did it. I don't know if he actually knew there was a devil or if he knew, um, or if the devil, he knew that the devil was behind that stuff. Of course, when you read the book of Job, it shows you that he went and did that, that the devil did those bad things, not God. The devil did those bad things. So a lot of people attribute that to God and God like wanting them to go through stuff to teach them that. One thing that I've always, you know, recently I've gone back to, but I've known it is torture and pain and sickness is not our teacher. Our teacher is the Holy Ghost, you know. And so God never ordained sickness or catastrophe to teach us. That was not there. Sickness is not anointed to be our teacher. You see, and so a lot of people, they it, religion gets into a lot of mindsets where they try to attribute some of that stuff. And um, but whether or not he knew about the devil, he it seems and appears so by what he said. He definitely didn't understand how the devil worked and what he did in that moment. And uh, but most a lot of scholars have thought that they were very unaware of the devil and his devices. They were unaware of that. And you can see that as Job attributed all of those bad things that happened to God and not to the devil. Really, I, as far as I can remember, they didn't really mention the devil in that way. So we do know that Job, the book of Job was one of the very first books written. It's very, very early on. So obviously, it was a while back in the timeline. So does that help? I still kind of wonder how, but even now I'm still even thinking how Things are probably lost from me teaching my own child. You know, she's my next generation. Yeah. I'm just wondering how that got lost from Adam and Eve. Well, now. what did Adam and Eve know? I mean, all we, all we see is that they ran into a serpent, and the serpent was cast out of the garden, but they didn't know the rest of his work. So what did they know about the devil? You see what I mean? That, we, that we're aware of. We can't absolutely say that they knew all of the stuff that he did, where he came from, and how he operated at that moment, that they had revelation of that. We don't know that. So I, for us to assume that would probably be incorrect. So. Good question. But what's important is, remember the word says that we would not be ignorant of his devices, of his schemes, of his ways of working. Just like we shouldn't be ignorant of God's ways, uh, we shouldn't be ignorant of the devil's ways either. Now, the issue is we don't focus on the devil's ways. We focus more on God's ways. But that doesn't mean that we're ignorant of his devices. I will say when we first started the church, when we first started the church, I was taken aback by how we could preach and everybody could amen on Sunday morning and then, I mean, by Sunday afternoon and Monday morning, they were getting decimated by the devil. And I went, Lord, what is going on? Like, why is this happening? Like, it seems like we're all together in unity, and I'm believing God that they'll be good and not hurt and, you know, not come under the, not have these attacks come to anything. And uh, sure enough, it's like they're just getting ate up by the devil. And the issue was that, where I had walked into starting Boomerang in 2009, 
I'm assuming that one, people would be hungry for the things of God. That was a wrong assumption. I was also assuming that they knew something about the Word of God. That was a wrong assumption. Our society is very biblically illiterate. Very biblically. Even, even this group here, you know a lot about the Word, but uh, not as much as what we probably think we know. There's so much in there. And we, what we've done is we've just seen more than we ever have before. And so we think we have human flesh nature has this tendency to take on an arrival mentality. And then we feel like, oh, we've seen the power of God. We saw somebody healed this morning. We saw this. We saw that. We're like, we're there, you know, and we're not. We're just, we're just getting started. There's so much to know. And so we got to stay hungry for the word. Well, what I found out was they didn't, they didn't know the deception of the devil. They didn't understand you know, the importance of not having bias in their lives. They didn't understand how to confirm uh, what they were being led by with a pastor who was a gift into their life to do that. They didn't understand the importance of uh, not missing church. They didn't understand the importance of honor. They didn't understand the importance of sowing and, and how that also goes together with receiving. There were so many things, and the devil just come and throw something, and, you know, it, it's amazing. Um, it might be good for Buddy for you to share that testimony. Just, just be led. If you feel like you want to, then grab the mic. But of, of the testimony, you told me just this week how I was doing something to bless you, and your flesh threw up the other idea, you know, and uh, because people fall for that stuff. And you want to tell that? Yeah, go ahead and tell the The thing that you were talking about this morning, too. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, well, there was, uh, there was a, um, an investment uh, that I wanted to invest in um, that I didn't have the finances to invest in at the moment. And there were multiple other things that I, that I, was it, that I would have been able to sell um, so that I can buy into this investment. Um, and and it was a, an investment that the window was kind of closing, um, yeah. and it clo was closing pretty quickly. And so my flesh really wanted, I can sell these things so I can get into this, which I felt like was a better investment. Uh, what I didn't know, and well, everything that I just preached on <laughs> in, in the, in the op for the offering message. What did he say about uh, worry? Yeah, don't. No. Um, well, I, I was preaching that from experience uh, because... <laughs> I was like, this window's closing, and I need to sell these things now, um, and you were telling me not to, because you knew in the background that someone someone was offering to buy this investment for me, that I didn't even and have to do it, it myself, you. and give it to me, yeah, yeah. and uh, so that I didn't even have to waste my time in that. But Or, or lose positions yeah, that, in, in that these other investments that were working, yeah, yeah. and uh, so, uh, so, so, you know, what, what I would do is I would put them up for sale, and then you would say, don't do that. And I'd be like, oh. and then I'd put them off sale. And I'm like, well, how am I going to get into this? Because the window's closing. And then, um, I, well, the devil, really, mammon, right, yeah. uh, was like, he doesn't want you. Like, pastor, you know, pastor doesn't want you to, to invest in this. Pastor doesn't want you to do this because he doesn't want you to get rich. I'm like, it's the stupidest thought. <laughs> really is the stupidest thought. But it's like, why would he not want me to invest in this? Because this is obviously a good investment that, you know, like, why would he not want me to? Maybe he just doesn't want me to. Like, these are the thoughts that, yeah. that were trying to come in. Uh, the stupidest thoughts in the world. 
Like I didn't we're, hold on to We're it, actually the exact opposite yeah. was happening. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm actually fighting for you yeah. to be blessed. You yeah, just don't know about it yet. Yeah. And yet and the, the flesh is saying, Pastor doesn't want me mm. blessed. Yeah. Well, and how many people yielded to that thought and they're not here anymore and they had no idea. Right. You know. Um, and but, that's what I'm saying is there's these things of not knowing how the devil operates in that way comes up and people just listen to it. And how many times have we watched it where actually, like, somebody has a problem, they leave the church, they do, do something, or they see something they don't understand, instead of coming and asking and going to Scripture over it, right? Which is what it says to do. If you have a problem with a brother, go to them, right? But they just have a thought, run with that thought, completely unplant themselves, now, they're not in the place where God has planted them. They're not getting the nutrition that they need. They're not, they're not fulfilling their destiny like they should. They lose all this stuff. And then it, when they actually come, you know, when they actually come, all of a sudden they're like, oh, that was no big deal. Right. The devil made it a big deal. It wasn't, it wasn't actually a big deal at all. It was all just a made-up story and, and communication could have sorted it in two minutes, you know, just asking question, you know. Um, uh, we were talking about we were talking about something uh, uh, not too long ago, and I think with Phil and Lisa and I were talking yesterday, and I was telling them, you know, all you gotta do is it wasn't it wasn't you guys, but you guys had a question a while back, and you didn't know how we stood on something. You had heard that we stood this way. And you asked the question, we was like, no, no, actually it was this way. And uh, then it was, and here's why, and here's how. And, and you both were like, oh, yeah, that makes plenty of sense. You know, and that's the way that it's supposed to work. But because we get in pride and we're like, for sure, for sure that's what they were doing. For sure it's, it's a problem. For sure they were being, and all of a sudden we'll buy the lies and we'll swallow hook, line, and sinker the deception, and then people's lives get destroyed because of our doing that and, and our own. And it's so easy to avoid. You know, one time I had a lady, uh, she was, the Lord had absolutely placed her in boomerang. And man, what God's power was pouring out in her life and everything. As soon as power uh, got in her life, uh, it wasn't long before I, I knew by the Holy Ghost, she's getting ready to leave church. I said, and the Lord said, I want you to call her, ask some questions. And I said, look, I know that you've got issues. I said, just ask me. She, was, she didn't want to ask the questions. She didn't want to say what was bothering her. I said, no, tell me. I was like, do you know how many things we've heard over the years? You know, like you're not going to offend me at all. Just tell me what you think is a problem. Okay. So she yielded. She said, well, here's problem one. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's not that. Here's actually what's going on. She went, oh, 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 okay. She went on to problem two. Oh, no, that's not that. That's actually, here's what's going on right here. Oh, five, five different issues solved within five minutes. She was like, oh, I don't have an issue. I was like, amen, glory to God. I didn't think you did, but, but that's not how she felt at the beginning of the conversation. And it was just that the devil had been lying in that way. 
Another major one is where, you know, somebody says, you're going to be blessed, God's about to promote you and everything. And on Monday, they get a phone call from somebody to give, and they are got a new position for them. They're going to receive, you know, a raise of 25%. All they have to do is take the job. It's just you can't work on Sundays. That's not God. <laughs> you have to work on Sunday, yeah. You have to work on Sunday to do this, or you have to move out of town. Right when you were, your life was being blessed, all of a sudden now you're, God's going to promote you to disconnect you? Like that's not God. And But people, they think, this is it, this is it. No, what's it is probably following that. The devil heard the same prophecy. He's just trying to get a counterfeit in, right? And so that's, that's why it's so important to communicate uh, quickly, and the devil works that kind of stuff, and so we were so surprised at how many little, small, simple traps were falling, being fallen over and fallen into when it was so easy to avoid. You know, and, and the truth is, all of us have had them at different times. Well, that person doesn't like you. And you go to that person, they're like, no, I, I, I like them fine. You know, well, well, they just think you're, you're dirt, and you're trash, and you're whatever. No, they don't think, they're not thinking about you. <laughs> they're not thinking about you probably at all. <laughs> like, you know, the only thing that they're, the only thing they're thinking about is, why are they acting funny around me? <laughs> and it's because of the devil's throwing one thought to one person, one to another, and now he's created something because neither one of them handled it properly, you know. And uh, this is, it's important to learn about these things. And the best way to learn about it is communicate with the people that have oversight in your life, your life group leaders, pastors, you know, stuff like that. Amen. Next. Did you learn something already? going to be a field question where I'm going to have to really think Possibly. and stay. <laughs> Phil comes up with some good questions. I'm like, Phil, Phil says, I got a question for you, Pastor. I'm like, I'll start praying in tongues. With the major holidays for Christians, which is Christmas and Easter, there's things in those holidays that aren't of God. Yes. With Easter coming up, there's things in that holiday yeah. Uh, that aren't of God. Should Christians be involved in that? Um, and you're going to have lots on that question. Should Christians be involved in Easter and Christmas? Uh, things like that. Even you can go so far as Halloween, different things like that. Um, obviously, Halloween's not a Christian celebration, but uh, even a harvest festival, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Understand that some of the festivals that they had, the feast in, in you know, Israel was around the harvest as well. So they're just being a harvest by itself is not bad. But you're, one thing on this topic that you'll find is it's polarizing. You know, you're going to find some people that absolutely say you shouldn't take part in anything. And other people say, oh, it's fine. Stop being so legalistic. And you're going to have. Sounds like it keeps going out. Is it going out? All right. We'll do something. <laughs> and uh, so one of the things, thank you. Um, I don't know. 
Did they get changed this morning? It probably just needs a new channel. Try that. So one of the things that you'll, like for example, Easter. Like I don't even like calling it Easter. Like I like calling it Resurrection Day. You know, that's, that's my preference. At the same time, if I say Resurrection Day to the world, do they even understand what I'm saying? You know, um, not fully, not, not fully. So in order to communicate with the world, we may say Easter on certain things simply to communicate to the world or to people that don't know the difference of that. Um, we're not looking to condemn them over their use of the word Easter, right? Uh, but to communicate with them. With Christmas, you have the tree. We know that uh, basically uh, they would worship trees. There was, you know, you have, uh, they would bring gifts and sacrifices under the trees that they would worship in the high places, things like that. Uh, I think it's called Saturnalia. And uh, so there's, there's a multiple, they would worship like the god Saturn. You know, and um, so there's a lot of things that you can connect and relate to. It's going to come down to your heart in the, in in that instance, uh, but it's also don't mix holy and profane. So it's not something where I just jump all into celebrating a bunny, right, and celebrating fertility for the world's sake in over Easter. Um, I don't worship the trees. You know, we have a Christmas tree, and uh, I don't have any conviction on that for ourselves. The Lord, the Lord says this, that he will write his laws on our heart, right? He'll write his laws on our heart. And so if he told me tomorrow, and he's done things like this, if he told me tomorrow that I don't want you to have a Christmas tree any longer, thank you, if he said, I don't want you to have a Christmas tree any longer, then at the right household, there would not be a Christmas tree any longer. And the kids may or may not like it, and they'd, we'd have to figure that out, you know. So, hold on. I'm trying to get this fixed. No, I'm good. Can you see it? <laughs> I'm good. I got it. How about that? Is it on? Good. All right, so... Um, if, in other words, I'm always open to the Holy Spirit saying and telling me and directing me. Remember, Jesus is our Lord. So many people enter into that equation from the get-go saying, well, I really want to keep on doing it. And they're coming into the question biased. Or some people come in being legalistic saying, I know God does not want me to do this. And they're already coming in biased. That's not how you answer any question. If you want Jeremiah 24, 7, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, seek the Lord with all of your heart, he will be found by you. Well, I can't come in with bias and seek him with all of my heart at the same time. I have to come in and say, Lord, I yield this to you. You know, I would have said, you know, for example, I would have said, uh, that we would never participate in a Hallow downtown Halloween, right? That would have been, and that was basically our approach. Until the city called one day and said, um, we're asking you to come and help serve the people of the city by passing out candy while we celebrate, uh, while we have this downtown trick-or-treat or whatever. And I was like, 
man, I don't necessarily want to do it, but I do want to serve the people and show them the light in the middle of darkness, right? And uh, I said, Lord, and, and here's exactly what I did. Lord, what do you want us to do? This seems like, it seems like compromise either way. Either way, I feel like I'm compromising. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go and serve the people and be that light. That's it. He wrote it on my heart. That's all. That was it. And from then on, we've gone and done that. Do we celebrate Halloween? Do we, do we dress up in all that stuff? No, our, our family doesn't do that. Um, you know, do we ever dress up for anything? Sure, we dress up, you know, if there's something going on, but not to celebrate Halloween in that, in that way. We're not, we're not combining with the spirit of that night and of that day for that. Uh, the same thing with Christmas, you know, we, we have a tree, we have presents, that's what the Lord has led us to do. If he told us to stop, we would stop, you know. Jesus has got to be the Lord. He's got to be the Lord. Whether that means keep doing something or don't do something, you know, he's got to be the Lord of our life, you know. And um, it really blessed me a few years ago when uh, Mark and Amy started coming and she, you know, she had a bunch of Halloween stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, <laughs> but she said, are we going to have to give up all my Halloween stuff? I was like, What's the Lord telling you? Like, you know, it's not a Christian holiday by any stretch. And, uh, and she, she put her flesh down and did away with that stuff, you know. And it was like, wow, look at that. That's awesome. You know, I know a lot of believers have been coming to church for 30, 40 years that would throw a fit over that and let me know every time Halloween comes up. <laughs> Y'all had started coming and, and, and did that. So um, one of the things is that we just want to learn to yield and yield quickly, yield quickly. Um, do we give gifts to our kids and to our family around Christmas and Easter? Yeah. Do we talk about a bunny rabbit coming? No. No, we don't. Do we, do we talk about Santa Claus coming? Not really. We really don't talk about that, you know. Uh, we have gifts, but we don't celebrate the things that aren't of God. We don't celebrate. Do we, do we look to bless our kids and our family? Yes. How can we do that without attaching something that's not of necessarily of the Lord to it? Um, you know, at the beginning of our marriage, yeah, we talked about Santa Claus coming and all of that. We did. But then the Lord really convicted us over that. Like, no, you don't need to do that. Now, we did from the beginning. We never told them. We let them just believe what they want to believe, you know. But now we don't even talk about that. We just say, hey, there's, we'll have gifts in the morning, you know. We don't even talk about that. So uh, for the most part, you know, we may, we both grew up with it like that. So every now and then we might slip up. But we seek to not even talk about that kind of stuff. That's what we do because we didn't want our, we didn't want, you know, want a, a great moment of our kids' childhood really to be wrapped around a lie. You know, that there was this man that came down the chimney, you know, in that way. So, Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I was like, what age group do we have in here? So, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yeah. There's, 
that's one of those things where it's like, it really comes down to what's the Lord writing on your heart, you know. But I'll, I will say, the Lord's probably going to write on your heart to not mix a holy event, you know. And we know that basically, the, you know, Christ's birthday didn't happen in Christmas, which is a whole nother thing, you know. Um, that's a whole nother issue. We know that the Sabbath, you know, uh, for the Jews was basically Saturday, and we counted on Sunday. So there's the issue is that we are honoring God for honor's sake. And, you know, for me, even Brother Tracy said it this week, I was happy to hear him say it. He said, Pastors, Sunday's not your Sabbath. Sunday's a work day for you. And it is, you know. Sunday is a work day, you know, for me. And uh, generally, I get to Monday morning, I'm like this, whoo, whoo, you know. Um, but so in other words, if that was the case, I could never have a Sabbath, you know. Um, so people get wrapped around the axle on some of those things, and they need to just rest and relax. Do what God tells you to do in that. But it, what he tells you to do is never going to cross this. It's never going to cross the standard of the word. Um, I do believe that people need to pay probably more attention to that stuff than what they have um, and be a lot more open to changing your habits and customs and traditions because in some of those things there are some there's some uh, demonic stuff that can bring curses about you know and you don't want to be there like Halloween is a cursed evening I mean it's a it's an evening of darkness and celebrated darkness it is not fun in games and I just watch, I've watched through my lifetime as every year it's like it just gets stronger and stronger. And it's partially because the condition of the world gets darker and darker. It's not a game. It, that, that was a night that celebrates the devil and celebrates and worships him. And uh, the devil knows about it. They laugh at Christians for celebrating their night. They laugh at us for that. So it's, if they're doing that, I definitely... I'm, I'm the kind of nature like, oh, that's what you're doing? I'm for sure I'm not going to go along with you on that, you know. So, all right. Yes, ma'am. Hi again. Hey. So, when I first started reading the Bible, this was something that has always been a question, and it came back up in the Bible in a year that mm -hmm. we're reading. It's Genesis 4.13, and I'll just read it so that you're refreshed about it. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. And then, of course, the Lord puts a mark on him. Who were the other people? If Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel and then his sisters, who were the other people? Great question. Next. <laughs> Um, well, we know that they started to become fruitful and multiply, and uh, you have the descendants of Adam, and you know, we don't know all of their names at that time, but basically uh, maybe Cain's looking forward into the future, but I think but that at the time that this happened, uh, there probably was already a society. And um, But I can't say names and dates. I don't know. I just know that they would be descendants of Adam. So. Amen. <laughs> For me to try and tell you all that, I'd be making up stuff, and I'm not going to do that. So. Sir? 
So this is a question that I've had for a very long time, but um, when when Satan was at the tree and he told Eve, Adam and Eve, like to eat from the tree, and they did it, um, and like God told them that they could never come like um, like back into that land. Yeah. Did they, like, when they died, did they go to heaven or hell? Cause, like, Adam and Eve? Yeah. Great question. I don't have the answer for that because I don't know the condition of their heart. Um, but I know that they're given a choice. They would be just like everybody else in that from that time period where they would be given a choice to receive Christ. I would, I would guess and I would hope that they were born again but I don't know their personal story beyond that to be able to tell you that. So they would have to accept Christ, like when we were talking about the people that were in paradise and Christ came and preached to them, they would have to accept him at that time. Okay? And if they weren't, if they did not accept him, then they would be in hell. But if they accepted him, you know, that free gift, they would go to heaven. Amen? Sorry, I don't have an exact answer for you, but I don't know their heart, so I wouldn't. That would be something God and them would have to answer, okay? All right. <laughs> I don't know that it's in the Bible, so I can't tell you. Did you have a question? All right. Yeah, I got a quick question. Okay. So, the, um, you know, you're talking about whenever Jesus preached to the people uh, yeah. in hell, right? Is that where they were at? Or paradise? Yeah. So, it, paradise was considered a part of hell. I yeah. got you. So would everybody that died before he died on the cross have had the opportunity to be saved and go to heaven? Well, I think that what you see in the story about the rich, and this would be my answer to it. I can continue to research it and look at it. But when you see the story about the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, you see that the rich man was not in paradise. He was not in Abraham's bosom. So I think that the Lord, looking through time, would see who would receive him and who wouldn't receive him. And when they went, they were already separated. God just knowing ahead of time who was going to receive them. You know, it was still their choice. It was still their choice. Uh, but they had already made that choice by the time they got there. And he knew who would choose Christ and who wouldn't. So that's, there may be more to that, but that from Scripture, that seems to be what I, what, how I see it at this point. So. All right. So my life group leader asked me to ask you a question that I had been discussing. I wasn't pointing at Prill. She said, <laughs> So I, we were talking on Friday, and it was Julia, Miss Natalie, and I, and I just tried to visualize what it was like in the garden just to be yeah. able to conceptualize that. And it talks, it talks about God walking with them in the cool of the day. And I was wondering, was he giant? Did he shrink himself down to walk with them? Because if they were talking to him, you know, like he's, he's so magnified, like he's so big. Be mad at Julie, because this was just us talking. That's a great question. Yeah, like, Nicole's were they talking that one. Were they talking to his toe? Because he's so big, and they're human. Okay, the end.
I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. All, all we know is that on some way, they were able to relate and communicate to each other. And uh, I have no idea. I would imagine, you have to know that God presented himself. He, he, we are made in his image and likeness. So he, his image and likeness has the form of a man. All right? So he is in the form of a man. And remember, even when he passed before Moses and he put Moses in the cleft of the rock, uh, you could see his front, his, he had talked about his front, his back, his steps, everything. So he has the form of a man. Now, can he come down at this size of a man? I think so. Can he appear bigger than that? I think so. I think he, he could manifest in whatever way he wanted to. Uh, at that point, it seems like he was walking and talking with God, the Adam and Eve. You see it with Enoch as well. He walked and talked with God. Uh, so I think that he came down in that form, but did he manifest? Here, here's a question. It says, no, no man has ever seen my face and lived. So the question is, did he manifest? A lot of times when it says in the Bible that he talked to men, it says when he talked to men, uh, what they actually heard was the voice of an angel, but God's voice through the angel so is that a way that he kind of buffered us from his holiness? Um, I think that's very possible. Yeah. I have three questions. Uh. <laughs> First, okay, what is Abraham's bosom? I, I don't n understand that. Abraham's bosom. Luke had it. Um, it would basically be paradise. It would be the same. It would be the place where the saints were collected before Jesus went and preached to the captives. They were held captive in paradise in Abraham's bosom. In other words, they were, they were in Abraham. They were blessed in him, right? Remember it says, told, talked about Abraham that in him, in his seed, the children and the nations would be blessed. So all the people that would be born again were in Abraham. You see, they were in him. So Abraham's bosom became basically a symbol of everybody who would accept Christ and go to heaven. So it was that Jesus called it paradise. Uh, Jesus, when he was telling the story about the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, he called it by another name. Abraham's bosom. So what he was making reference to is everybody who would be blessed through faithful Abraham by faith in Christ. And it just, it was a representative, you know. It would kind of be like, um, kind of be like saying we're all going to mama's house, right? Mama's house. But you're not going like, you know, we're all going to mama's house, but it really represents everybody that could go there in that way. Um, we're all going to mama's. Well, you're not going inside mama. You know, we're all going to mama's house, going to that home. So it's kind of like that. Abraham's bosom in paradise in hell, and they were redeemed. Yep. Correct? Okay, yep. cool. Yep. So um, when the word tells us that, whatever we ask. Un understand oh, there's layers of hell, and you had the rich man was in a place of torture in hell. 
And we're, that's what, um, what is it, Dante's Inferno that talks about the different layers of hell. And part of that's right, but then they've, they've got, there's all kinds of theories and stuff like that. But what we can see clearly is you have a place of torture, you have a place of paradise, and that was all called hell. It was all called hell in the belly of the earth. But now paradise is empty. Nobody's ever going there again. That was just for the Old Testament saints before Christ. Nobody's going there anymore. Now they would go to heaven in that. Okay. So the only thing that's occupied at this place would be what we know as hell, that torturous hell. Okay. Okay. So when the Lord says, whatever you ask, ask in my name, and it will be filled so that your joy is made full, how do you, like, take that in with standing on a word, like a rhema word or the biblical word? Like, how do you not say, like, oh, well, the word tells me I can ask whatever. Yeah, I can get a Lambo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like, how do you, because that's a little bit confusing in a way of, like, knowing. How do we know that it can't be whatever, if that makes sense? now yep now he the way I've interpreted it is you don't see the word say believe for a Lamborghini or a GMC Sierra Denali <laughs> white with chrome a Yukon a Sierra Den Yukon Denali as well right beside my <laughs> or GMC Yukon beside my Sierra but what you do see is he wants you to prosper. You do see he wants blessings. So why limit it to the GMC Sierra when he may want you to have the Sierra and the Denali and the boat? <laughs> so what you do is you stand on the word that you see. You stand on the word preach. Lord, I'm asking for your provision and your abundance. In Jesus' name, I am believing for the overflow in my life because your word says that. And I ask for it to be in the way that you would have. Because he also tells you he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. So why limit it to one Lamborghini? I mean, maybe he wants you to have four so that you can give them away, you know. So you stand on the word that you know and you let him fulfill it. Because it's, you know it's going to be abundantly above what you can ask or think. So you find the promise in the word, and you stand on the promise, and you let it manifest in that way. You always have to go to the full counsel of the word. So um, you don't just take one scripture and form a doctrine off of it. So many people have taken that scripture and said, well, I'm going to ask in Jesus' name, and so I'm going to have it, Right? Um, and then it, they don't have it, and then they say, the Bible's not true. It told me to do this. Well, no, the Bible's plenty true. You just went and you took one scripture out of context, mm -hmm. out of what it was actually saying. So you, 1 John 5, 14. Uh, well, start in verse 13. 1 John 5, 13. These things I've written to you who believe, you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence 
which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So now we have a confidence that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. So what that shows us is if we ask something not according to his will, we don't have confidence that he hears us, right? So I can go and I can ask for whatever I want to, and I can tag his name on it, but that doesn't mean he hears me because it's not in his will. So then it says, verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So if we just go about spouting requests and asking him for stuff, right? We just go about asking him for stuff, but we don't have his will on it. We don't have a word or a promise from him. There's no promise that he actually hears those prayers. So a lot of people are trying to, that's why it's important. What did I say this morning about where does faith begin? At his word, at his will, right? It's, faith always begins with a word, a promise, or his character and nature. So if you don't have a word or a promise in the word or his character and nature, then we, we don't know that that's his will. So one of the things, you remember the verse that says you have not because you ask not. So uh, you have not because you ask not. Well, then people will take that and in a worldly corrupted thinking, they'll say, well, I need a Lamborghini or I need a boat or I need a lake house or whatever it is. And the issue is they'll go, well, I'm asking you for a lake house. But, but that's not really what that means. What you need, because here's the thing, how can you, you can only have faith on his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I can't produce faith on something that God hasn't spoken. So what I need to ask for is a word. I need to say, Lord, I'm asking you for a word. Give me a word on that vehicle. Give me a word on that lake house. Give me a word on this, on this job. And I need a word either written in my spirit, written in this word, given to me through a prophetic voice or during the service uh, that I have peace on in my heart that this is God. And let the peace of God rule in your heart in Colossians 3.15. And one thing I need is I need a word. So a lot of people, they're just asking God for stuff. Ask God for the word. Because if he gives you his word, I'm going to give this to you at this time. You can take that to the bank, and now I can put faith on that word, and I can say, Lord, I ask. Lord, I receive your word as done in Jesus' name. And now he hears that prayer. You see, why? Because his will was backing it. So a lot of people just hear that one scripture. They take it out of context, and they just start asking for everything. Then when it doesn't come true, they're like, well, the Bible's not true. That's not, true. That's not it at all. But see, wouldn't that be easy if you had a pastor that knew some of the context of the word and you just went and asked them that question? But a lot of people are not going to church. They're not going to a place where the pastor actually does know the word, doesn't understand faith. That's why the Bible says to follow those in Hebrews 6.12 who through faith and patience are inheriting. In other words, the, the opposite of that is don't follow those who aren't walking in inheriting the promises uh, having a form in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 5, in the last days, in verse 1, in verse 5, men will have a form of godliness but denying its power. 
avoid such men as these. So you don't need to be around men and women of God who are not walking in power, right? Uh, who are not inheriting the promises because the people that walk in the power of God and are inheriting the promises, they know something about this that probably most don't. That's why they're receiving. And that's why he says don't follow them. Avoid such men. You know, pretty, really strong language actually. So, did you have a third one? Go ahead. You said that you guys were talking about soul ties at lunch. I just wanted to know maybe if you could re-elaborate on what you were saying. I just, if that's okay, just knowing in the word, what can you stand on for those things? Can you break those things off? Like, obviously, I know God can do anything, but if there's a word for it, what's his will on it? Stuff like that. Nope. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, where's the mic? Hand that mic to Mark. Tell them what I was saying about soul ties. <laughs> he's, he's the same color as this shirt right now. Well, that's real interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I remember it correctly, but I could be, because we've talked about a couple of different things. You, you can start, I'll add to it. Um, was Phil, it where Phil's was... next, so we're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, pick up all the stuff you missed. Was it where you was talking about he puts the delight on your heart? Yeah. And then from, uh, like when he puts that delight on your heart, then you have something to go and stand on and pray on because he put it there, not because you wanted it. You know, because our flesh can say, oh, well, this is what I want. But is that what God wants for you? You know, so he puts the, the desire in your heart instead of you putting it here, and then you can pray on it and stand on it, and that gives you something to go on says God will give us the delight of our heart. He doesn't, and people will take that. It goes right along with your other question you asked, Anna. Um, people will take that and they'll say, well, I delight in a Lambo, you know, or whatever. You know. I don't know why Lambos always get the bag. The, the bag. I don't want one, but I just use that because it's like this larger thing that somebody might desire. So I just use it as a fleshly desire, but um, I did see a few of them in Florida, and they were cool. <laughs> they went by, and I was like, ooh, all right. I felt that. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, they many people will use that like, well, I would really delight to have this or to have a million dollars or this or that or whatever it is. And say, well, God will give it to me because I'll delight in it. That's not what it's talking about. He says that I will, he will give you the delights of your heart, the desires of your heart, right? He'll give you the desires of your heart. But what he's really saying there is that God will put his desires in your heart, and when we desire after what God desires for us, we can have those things. And so the issue is it's not a fleshly desire. It's a spiritual desire of our heart. It's a spiritual delight. We delight ourselves to the Lord and he'll give us the desires of our heart. So it's a spiritual delight in him and the delight in the desires that God has placed there. So think about this. Does God delight in souls being saved? 
Yeah, so if we will make our desire his desire and win souls and make that a priority, then God's going to start giving us those things. He'll give us, he'll give us souls. Well, he doesn't just stop at souls. He, he literally delights in the prosperity of his servants. So he will put prosperity and great things. He'll put a Lambo in your heart. You know, that's the thing is people go after it for the thing's sake. They put the cart before the horse. Go after it for God's sake and you'll have it all, you know, which is the verse that Buddy was in earlier, Matthew 6, 33. You know, seek God, seek his kingdom and his righteousness first and all these things will be added to you. So now... Uh, the issue is, when we get something in our heart, if you look at that, when we get a desire in our heart very, very strong, and God put it there, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. So, for example, an example of that is 2 Corinthians 9. Desire in my heart to be a sower, and God will give me seed. Doesn't he make that promise? When I delight myself in, in his way of sowing and I desire, Lord, I want to be a sower and I purpose in my heart to be a sower, I, all of a sudden he says, that'll come to pass. And that's kind of like a soul tie where you actually set up a stronghold, a good stronghold of doing the will of God. And when you set that in you, you set yourself. Remember, have a mind set a mindset of God, and you set yourself, you set yourself in that, God will bring it to pass, right? Well, the same thing can happen on the negative side. You can get obsessed about things. In, in demonic stuff, you have possession, which is the deepest, uh, oppression, but also obsession. So obsession's like the middle one. Oppression is just a spiritual weight uh, supernatural, demonic oppression. But then you can move to the place of obsession. That's really like a soul tie. It's like a negative stronghold, right? And we can have a negative stronghold. And that's where it's, it's one of those things where we set our mind on the wrong thing. We set it on the wrong thing. And it, it becomes like a stronghold to us. And the way to get around that is know the word, because the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide us thunder, soul and spirit. And we have to take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Every thought that tries to raise itself above the knowledge of Christ, we have to grab that thought, cast it down, casting down imaginations. And this is how we destroy those strongholds. So we have to take some action on it. But I'll tell you, you get an obsession in your heart or mind or you get a, a stronghold or a soul tie uh, on something that's negative. It, it's a difficult thing. It's much harder than dealing with it at the beginning. You know, so, for example, imagine a, uh, a boy or girl, they're in high school, they watch some you know, new, new kid come in and they just fall in love with the looks of them or whatever. They can get obsessed over that person and now they're going to be just completely bummed out until they're dating that person, right? And what's happened is they've meditated on that, they've set themselves, they've tied their soul, their mind, will, and emotions, they've tied their soul to that person, and 
they will not be satisfied until they have them, right? Well, this is a problem because, and, and it is hard to break in the natural. In the natural, it's practically impossible to break. Um, at lunch, Kevin brought up um, the brother uh, that was, was it the son, son of David, David's son that had the, he had the obsession over the sister, right? And uh, he was just, like, he was obsessed. He, he had a soul tie, and it took him to his destruction. Ultimately, he died because he did not give up on it. See, a lot of times, somebody will be doing something, and they'll not realize it, but they're setting their mind, I got to have this, I got to have this, I got to have this. And they are literally setting up a bondage that they can't operate outside of. And they don't realize, but that's a stronghold. They have to take that, those thoughts captive. And we see it in terms of you can do it thinking that you're being godly. This is a major trap. This is a major trap of the enemy is, okay, um, and Barrett's told this story where she had the idea that she was supposed to be a pastor. She had that idea. She gave herself to the thought. She gave herself to the thought. And then when she found out she wasn't supposed to be one, man, it really hurt. And it was hard to come out of because she had given herself to that thought. Now, it doesn't have to take long and it doesn't have to be hard, but it's a lot easier to just never set your mind. One of the traps that the enemy uses is he'll come to you and give you something that appears good. Uh, for example, go back to the example of well, God's telling me he wants me promoted. And all of a sudden, you get a job offer, right? You get a job offer from in, that looks like a promotion. You get a job offer from it. It looks like promotion. And so before you get confirmation of it, you start meditating on that job offer. Well, we could move there, and then we'll have this money, and it'll be great, and it'll be awesome. And then two days later, you bring it to pastor for confirmation, You've already set your mind, right? You've already set that thought. You've tied yourself in your soul to that thought. And then pastor says, pastor recognizes the trap. And he says, I don't think that's God. I don't think that's the Lord. And you're like, no, I can hear from God myself. I, I, I don't need a pastor to tell me that this is it. I can hear from the Lord myself. And you don't realize you have set a stronghold over a job that's, that's not of God, but then you go thinking it's God, your whole life falls apart. And we've watched this happen. I mean, we've watched it happen time and time again. Whole life falls apart, and all of a sudden, and now you're blaming God. And you're still mad at the people that told you it wasn't God. And it's because you set a stronghold and a soul tie in that way. So it's one of those things where you have to really be, it's good to just be really humble up front don't set yourself on something until you know that it's a desire of God. If you don't know that you know that you know that it's the desire of God, keep discerning. Don't set your mind on it until that. Now, once you know that it's God, set your heart on it. Make it hard for the devil. Just as hard as it is for you to pull out a sin if it's a wrong stronghold, if you know it's God, set up a stronghold to have a mind set on that, that I will never be led by my feelings. I will never bring bias into it. Set your mind on it, and then it'll be really hard for the devil to shake you out of God's ways. 
set it up that way. So you, there's a lot, you know, a lot in that subject. But it, I've found that that is a very major thing that people deal with. It could be a lot easier if they just apply it the right way. So, Phil, was there any other part that I said at lunch that was... I feel like you just you just took the easy way out of this. <laughs> Good question. Did that help? Good. Like, where's the hope in undoing the bad soul ties? Because yeah. I feel like it just got crushed to pieces. All right, easy. <laughs> easy. You just go to God and you say, Lord, I may have tied myself to something and I reject that tie. I repent of that and I receive your full forgiveness who removes all transgression and I ask you to break that soul tie to that thing and the mercy of God and the grace of God will come in and he'll help you and he'll strengthen you and uh, a lot of times, this is what I was kind of mentioning. I talked about this a little bit at lunch, but a lot of times when there's, and, and I, I feel like coming back to this, I don't know why, and I think it's probably more prevalent in our society and probably has been more prevalent in, our, in the people that's in our church than what we want to pretend like it's not, is that when we move into like premarital sex and things like that, you don't realize it, but this is these are soul ties that happen because there is a covenant that happens between those two. And you'll notice that when that happens, when you watch that happen, there's almost always a tie in the mind, in the mind, will, and emotions between those people. And, and to break that tie, you need the work of God in there. You need the work of God in that, and you need the anointing. Right? And God will bring it. You know, somebody says, I, I want to be free of this. I recognize you repent for that. And then you come to God. You, you put, throw yourself on the altar of his mercy and his great grace. And all of a sudden, it breaks that tie. And you can move forward and walk in the forgiveness of God and walk in the blessing of God. But a lot of times, a person that's had something like that or something similar is it's really hard for that person to ever move on until they deal with that issue. And even if they do move on, it's like there's always this thing that they're like dragging behind them. And so, you know, tonight as we get done and you just want prayer uh, for that, or and it doesn't have to be just, you know, premarital stuff, but it can be a number of things. It can just be things that you tied your mind to that you probably shouldn't have tied your mind to. And if people want to get free from that, we'll pray over that at the end. So that's a great question. Great, great question. That helped Amen, amen. There is hope. There's always that your hope, that your joy may be full, that your hope may be full, which is joy, confidence, and expectation of a great promise. Amen? Glory to God. Hello. I have a question and surprise. <laughs> so um, recently we were talking about just the body of Christ and purpose and stuff and I kind of realized that I'd had this, in my mind, this assumption that you needed to be in the five-fold ministry to do something 
big. Like, and it's, I'm, I know it's a lie, and it's, like, I'm just being really honest. I just yeah. had that in my mind. And then I realized that that's... Which can be a soul tie to that. It can be, I've, it's got to be this way, and it doesn't, but, yeah, okay. And then I realized that there's all this biblically available for just the everyday believer, and... I honestly, <laughs> I started to get so frustrated because <laughs> I'm like, and I've kind of buried it. Like, there's all this available that we haven't tapped into. Okay, tissues, it's a real meeting now. <laughs> yes! We needed tissues. <laughs> Abundance! Okay, <laughs> I feel like I've been like burying it and like almost ignoring it. Like, there's so much in Acts. There's greater works than Jesus that's available. And I truly like I don't even care about the attention of being successful. I don't care if anyone ever sees it. I just want that to happen. And I, I found myself feeling like. Like, almost angry, though. Like, angry that the enemy has stolen that. Angry that we've let our flesh get in the way, be deceived. And so I'm trying to find the balance of being hungry, not being apathetic, and, yeah. and not letting go of promises that are available to us. And Whether you're fivefold men. I mean, just yeah. as a biblical, I mean, as a as a believer of what's available. So being hungry, because I haven't known how to do that, but be hungry for it while not being weight over, not feeling like I'm not seeing it or not under, just out of rest. Yeah. Like, be hungry, but yeah. not out of rest. Okay, so... Here's what I'd like to do. I want to propose to the whole crowd. What would you say, do you have to be a five-fold minister to be important and special? And don't give it me just a yes or a no. I know, I know you'll, you'll give me the right answer. Give me scripture. What scriptures, what stories prove that you don't have to be five-fold ministers? You know, there's all, there's all the different, that, that's a good one, that's one I was going to go to too, but I want to pass the mic, and I want to come up with a number of places where we can see that it's not just five-fold ministers that have a special call or a special anointing. But here's one of the things about that too is, if you think that you have to be five-fold ministry to do spectacular things and be special, then you're going to constantly be waiting before you can ever do anything. There will be a whole lack of manifestation because you're constantly waiting until you get to that place to do it. It kind of goes back to the same thing. If you won't do it when you're just a believer, you're not going to do it when you're five-fold ministry either. You, you see what I mean? So whoever has the first, you have a scripture, you have a promise. Yeah. Barrett, will you do that again? Um, well, the very scripture that came to me was the very scripture that mentions the fivefold ministry and their purpose is God has given us 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. So the purpose of the fivefold ministry is not to do all the ministry, but to equip the people to do the ministry themselves. To do the supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Next. Um, when we were in New Testament survey recently, it talks about justice, and his name's only mentioned once in one small portion. And if it wasn't for justice, Paul would have had nowhere to stay to preach the gospel. And you made that point very clear in your video that where would we be without justice, giving up his time <laughs> and his space and his privacy and all that? Yeah, amen. Not justice like in truth and right, justice. Right. Just, Just J-U-S-T-U-S, -S, yeah, the man. Yeah, and it's like you said to <laughs> Who his had wife, a house where Paul stayed. Right. Yeah. He was like, we're no longer just us. It's yeah. now Paul and all his believers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know if this is right, but... I, Go ahead. I first thought of the Samaritan woman. She went back and told everybody. And she wasn't even a Jew. That's good. Okay, yeah. Oh, there's Ananias who healed Paul's eyes, too. Yeah. Who prayed for Paul, and the scales fell off his eyes. I think, did you have something? Miss Marilyn? Uh, I was you looking got at... You and told. <laughs> By Lisa, your neighbor. I knew she did it. It was Acts... Uh, Six, where Stephen was saying that he was a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Yeah. Now, that was Stephen. Stephen. And he was an evangelist. He was fivefold ministry. But that's not where he started. No, he started seven. serving tables. Yeah. And that's what led him to his greatness. Yeah. All right. Give her the mic. Dun, 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 dun. Mary, the mother of Jesus, like she was, essentially, she was just a woman, yeah. a single virgin woman, who without her, we wouldn't have Jesus. So Mary, yeah. that's that's a good one. I didn't even think about that. Amen. She was just a woman. Yeah. And in that time, what rights did women have? None. They weren't even. They weren't in the count. Even allowed yeah. to be remember remember when they when they counted feeding the five thousand they weren't even in the count women weren't in the count but yet Jesus included them in his ministry and everything that's an, you know a whole nother conversation we were having the other day is women are very important in the kingdom of God they are they're not lower than men they're equal to men now they have might have different roles but they're equal men. That, that's a big deal. That has not been teached. That has not been taught uh, from the pulpit. Ain't been teached either. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Go ahead, Shane. Nope. Now it is. It's on now. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking also Esther and Rahab as well, as yeah. women who are not in the 
my full ministry, but saved a nation and saved God's people. Ruth. She's got her own book. Abraham. Huh? Abraham. Abraham. If it wasn't really five, now he could be considered the the priest in a sense or a king, but uh, sort of fivefold. But yeah, yeah. At the beginning, he wasn't. A lot of times, you know, you'll see actually fivefold ministers come out of somebody who was not fivefold ministry. Uh, but they just kept serving God. They moved in supernatural. Remember Daniel, what, 12, 3, I think, where it says those that know their Lord will do exploits, right? See, it didn't say those that are in fivefold ministry or those that are priests will do exploits. It says those that know their God will do exploits, right? Those that know him. Well, if I could, just for a moment, I know you're called to be a pastor, obviously, but... That reminds me of what you said multiple times that being here in Albemarle starting Boomerang, you don't believe you were the first person to hear that call. Correct. But you knew your God, and because you knew your God, God's been able to do exploits through you, through this ministry, through everyone attached to it. But it wasn't necessarily that you, Brian Wright, the man, were special. You heard the call, and you said yes, and the obedience is what caused it. What makes us special and what makes us important, you know, all of us, we're all the same value. Jesus Jesus set our value when he died for us. But beyond the cross and beyond salvation, some people move into higher uh, levels than what, what is what determines that? They're called to fivefold ministry? No, no. There's many people that are so-called in fivefold ministry, but they're not even being obedient. What makes us special and important is obedience. And that goes for whether you're in fivefold ministry or not, right? Or you're, you're just the believer. It's obedience. Obedience is what brings the blessing. Remember in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And those that believe must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not just a rewarder of fivefold ministry offices. He's a rewarder of people that are special, that are important, that are powerful because they diligently seek him in obedience. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, right? So it's not it's not determined by male or female. It's not determined by uh, fivefold minister or not. It's determined by willingness and obedience of the heart. And if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's a promise to any person, any believer, if you're willing and obedient. Amen. Sound guy having a problem with Mike. How about that? Uh, John 14, 12. Jesus' words. If I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Anyone. Anyone. Great scripture. Read it again, slowly. Mm. Apply it to yourself as you're reading it. <laughs> <laughs> we need the tissue box. We need the tissue box. 
Yes, do that? I did that on purpose. <laughs> Why you do that? <laughs> Realize you're talking about you when you read it. It'll be good. I did halfway through. <laughs> I did halfway through saying it the first time. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Yes, you will, Kevin. Yes, you will, Marcus. Yes, you will, anybody that chooses to believe. I don't know where the mic is. William had one from the back. He said, David, oh, David wasn't fivefold. Yeah. He was just a homie. <laughs> Those are William's words. <laughs> and Jesus was his son. Yeah. Understand that when David beat Goliath. <laughs> I don't doubt it. When David beat Goliath, he was anointed to be king, but he wasn't in that office yet. He was not in that office. He was just an obedient son taking food to his brothers. And the shepherd, yeah. Their choices, yeah. All right. So I do have a question from, can I ask a question? It's about this. Can I ask a question about this? Yeah. So in 1 Corinthians 12, at the end, it says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts after it's talking about all the gifts. And so how do we do that but not get in the point of, like, trying to be a fivefold minister in that way? Sweet. <laughs> it is true. I did talk about that. What did I, what did I say? You said that it wasn't wrong to covet after the gifts to desire them manifesting in your life. So the giftings themselves can manifest like when you need them to. Like I, I'm not called to be a pastor, but if I needed to operate as a pastor, I could covet and desire that to manifest more often. And it's not wrong to necessarily covet the office if that's what the Lord is putting on your heart, but you don't just do it blindly, you do it at his leading. So covet the giftings, it's okay to desire the offices is what you had said. However, don't make that your source is in a nutshell where you were going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can, you desire in context of that, it's talking about individual giftings, it's talking about individual giftings, not the office. When you look at that at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it goes through the gifts of the Spirit. Then it talks about the gifts in the local church. And it says first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And then it goes through other giftings, right? So you're looking at giftings in the church, in the local church. And it says desire the best, you know, covet the best gifts. But it's talking about coveting the giftings not necessarily the office there. So I think to say that I'm coveting an office is to kind of take that scripture out of its context. Now, can I desire to be that? Yeah, 
uh, but the problem is you can actually set your soul tie on something that God hasn't spoken to you. So that what you would do is say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, give me the word for it. Give me the word for it. And if he tells you you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, then be that. And I'll just tell you, most time people are called into, at the beginning, generally you'll find they're called into pastor, evangelist, or teacher first. And the apostle and prophet is almost like a promotion when they've been. Now, I'm not saying that's an absolute. I'm just saying you'll kind of find that. So that was half of your question. Did anybody have any other scriptures that you were bringing up? And one just said, uh, did you have something, Johnny, on that? Okay, while you're finding another one is just Mark 16. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? They'll cast out devils if they eat any deadly thing. It will, you know, it will not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick, you know. So you see Mark 16 shows that there's an important, that's not on fivefold ministers. That's on every believer, every believer, right? Just a quick comment. Yeah. Um, everybody knows who Billy Graham is, but yeah. they don't necessarily know who the man who shared the gospel with Billy Graham is. Yeah. Stop that. I love you. <laughs> Picking on me. But the reality of significant in the kingdom of God isn't necessarily being um, in front of 5,000 people. Yeah. Um, as God's kingdom works, that seed you're planting somewhere brings a harvest. And whether 10 people down the line, there's a 5,000 person harvest or not, that harvest started with your seed. And my experience that God, God will do things in little ways through you in people's lives that you'll never know the outcome. You'll never know what God does with that seed that you planted. But don't ever minimize the, the contribution into the kingdom of God by being simply obedient to what the Spirit's leading you to do in the moment. Uh, because a heart submitted to the power of God and the willingness to obey him is truly the basis of the kingdom of God. It is the, the simplest demonstration of significance in God's kingdom. Yeah. Well, what you're, here's, people don't know, I did a message a while back, let's see what if I have a title, called The No Names. The No Names. And I asked the question, have you heard of these names? Edward Kimball, Willard Norris, Jerry King, Clell Gibson, Rick Kidd. Have you heard of those names? Right? Now, some of them are fivefold ministry, but some aren't. And even with Billy Graham, Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. He was a Sunday school teacher who taught a student in a Sunday school class who was a, a shoe salesman. That shoe salesman was Dwight L. Moody of the Moody Press. Dwight Moody led Wilbur Chapman to the Lord 
who was an evangelist to thousands. That evangelist won Billy Sunday to the Lord, who was a baseball player and turned out to be an evangelist. But in the beginning, he was just a baseball player. Billy Sunday won Mordecai Ham in a Charlotte tent meeting who led Billy, Billy Graham to the Lord. That's where Billy Graham came. But in the middle of this is a Sunday school teacher and a shoe salesman. You know, not necessarily five-fold minister. Just people, the no-name, so to speak. There's not no-names to God, but there are no-names to maybe us. But they were important to God. And, you know, it's like you, Rick Kidd, you know, you might not know all of these you know, people, but there's guys in here like Willard Norris. Willard Norris was the head of a maintenance at a hospital that was a critical component to winning my dad to the Lord, who obviously eventually brought me to church where I came to know the Lord. But nobody knows his name. But he was mighty in the Lord, mighty in God. And then just, that was probably the man that really turned it around. He's the one who asked my dad uh, to read the Bible and pray for a month and seek the Lord, you know, for one month. And in that one month, the Lord totally changed my dad's life to the point where he, he got born again. He gets born again. He starts taking me to church. You're sitting here because of this man that you don't even know his name. And he wasn't a five-fold minister. He was a maintenance guy. He was a maintenance guy. You're sitting here receiving because of a maintenance so, Johnny, did you find it? So, Holly and I both were looking for it. It's 2 Kings 4.8, the Shunammite woman that actually built a room for Elisha. Yeah. I mean, that one small act had an impact, not on her, just on her life, but everybody's life, and she wasn't even in the yeah. ministry. She wasn't in the ministry, but yet her testimony and her story inspires people and has for hundreds and thousands of years now. I mean, very important, very special. When you were talking about being willing and obedient, um, Obed-Edom, who was a poor man and said he would hold the ark at his home and then yeah. abundant blessings came upon his family yeah. line and changed his, his That's a great. Heritage. That's a great reference. Amen. So now, did you have something else? Well, the only other thing that came up to me is all the revivals that have happened that we know about, the Welsh revival, yep. Brownsville revival, like the revival over in Korea. It, they all started because someone took up a mantle of prayer, and yeah. they prayed for years. Like, it's not like they just prayed once and all of a sudden the fire came down and bam. It was, yeah. they paved a road for years without people knowing. And they yeah. were faithful and diligent. And no one knew them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden God came. And it's so easy to think that it's, wow, look what God did. It's flashing a pan. Bam. Yeah. But there were years of people being diligent to be those no-names, yes. to be the people behind the scenes and to pray. And it's the fervent prayers of a righteous man, yeah. not the fervent prayers of a pastor yeah. or an apostle. The fervent prayers, period, cause the will of God to be done of generationally. Just, of just a righteous man. See, we're made special when we're righteous. We're made special when by faith we receive 
uh, the blessing of Abraham. What made us special is our faith in God. That's what made us a part of the family. And whether we're fivefold or not, we're made special in our righteousness because it was made available through faith. That's what made us that way. It's really interesting. I know what I'm finding funny on this, I know we had a conversation about this, but all these examples are the same ones he brought up in the conversation. Yeah. Y'all are like saying all the same exact examples and the same points that we talked about, which is the Holy Ghost confirming the same points in that. So now that was half of your question. What was the other have a You get, you get the prize for the longest answer. <laughs> <laughs> the other half of my question is how to be hungry but still in rest because it feels like, I, I mean, I'm literally, like, I'm as I'm asking the question, like, I'm overwhelmed with emotion, and I, I don't want that to bring me to an emotional place. Right. I want it to be a valid hunger, but I don't want to drop my hunger and be apathetic. I don't want to be like, well, it'll be fine. And, right. And, and then I don't want to do that, but I yeah. don't want to. I mean, literally, if you guys were like, if you want to see manifestation, stay up all night and read your Bible, I'd be like, done. Like, I'll do that right now. I'll do yeah. what I need to do. But also, I know biblically that faith has rest, and I haven't necessarily been feeling rest, so I've just been a little bit confused on being in rest while also being hungry. Yeah. Amen. Who wants to answer that? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> who feels like they... I'll, an, I'll answer my answer at the end, but who feels like they have an answer to that? I can't remember which visitor it was. It might have been Ted Sr., but he said he lives in a state of content discontentedness where he's like, I'm fine. I have everything I need. And he used the example that Paul gave when he was like, I know how to be abased and to abound. It doesn't matter your current state. You're fine. But at the same time, you're always believing for higher. So, and I struggle with that too. So I don't, I'm not the expert on the subject, but to... Know where you are, okay, you serve in the church in a pretty big way, and that's great, and you're accomplishing God's will, but at the same time, there's greater for you. There's always greater until we get to heaven. While he's thinking about it, somebody else have anything? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Being thankful and trusting that he's, yeah, with you and providing for you. And, yeah, in that place of Thanksgiving, there's faith for more. I think it goes back to what you said when you answered a previous question. The Lord should be the Lord. And so whether you're actively pursuing or going after, or if you're listening to the Lord say, in this moment, you need to rest, right? It's not getting off 
in a ditch thinking that you have to do, 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 because you have a soul tie to that. Am I? Oh. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to EO, which is so appropriate. <laughs> go, 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 go. Is that better? Don't y'all be judging. Y'all laughing at it right now. <laughs> All of you went back to 13, age 13. Were you? Okay. I just shook my head. <laughs> <laughs> but in the moment, in every moment, seeking him first and letting him be Lord. And when he is telling you to rest, knowing that he's leading you where you're supposed to go for that moment and for that period, but that in everything he's asking you to do, he's taking you higher. Whether you see it physically in the moment or not, he is, because his word says it is. He is. You ready? All right, go ahead. There you go. Um, I, I was thinking already about, like, my experience with flying, and, you know, what I believe that God put on my heart to do. And, um, like you said, like staying up all night and reading the Bible and doing, like, what you can do. Um, I've done that, like, you know, basically work 15 hours a day to try and just do as much as I can. And I'm doing it, like I was doing it. But, um, you know, it's, like, tiring and, you know, stressful and like you just like that's why I, a lot of times I walk around I'm like looking like uh, Oscar the Grouch or like Garfield or something like that it's because like Garfield. I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> and um but uh you know and then the other thing too is like seeing people pass you by that started after you you know like but you're doing uh you know, like I could have just quit and done that full time and been done already and doing another job. Um, but I don't think that would have really been what God wanted me to do. It's just sort of like what the world, world does. Um, but uh, it's like constantly that I have to like put down feelings of like doing uh going and doing a, a, a like a worldly job flying because of the um you know I could you know and like I was telling Pastor Brian too like that uh I've already got everything that I need I don't need anything else so a job's not going to give me something I don't already have and um because you know, God's, God's already right. given me everything I need yeah. if I had more then I could do more but I don't you know necessarily need to do more uh, or, you know, like, I don't need more. But, um, you know, I think, and then, too, like, while I was So thinking, you're not just running after stuff to be running after stuff. Yeah. You're, you're saying, Lord, I'm not just going after this I'm, because I want it or it's out there. I'm only going to go after it as you tell me. Yeah. That, that's what you were saying to me the other day. Yeah, yeah. and, like, I, forever I wanted an airplane you know, for my own, like, to have an airplane, that'd be great, but, um, you know, I feel like that, 
whenever the time's right, God will make it, you know, available, and it'll be easy. Whereas, like, if I just, you know, a couple years ago, I could have bought a plane, and it'd be worth twice as much now as it was when I bought it three years ago, but it would have been a burden, and I would have done it on my own. Like what you were saying about reading all night and staying up all night, like, that's just adding weight to yourself to try and do what God said for you to, to do. And, you know, that's not what he said to do. Uh, I, I heard, like, I felt like, you know, God told me just, you know, the verse, be still and know that I'm God. So that's faith. Like, you know, God's put something on your heart to do. Then just do what you're doing and don't try and do extra. And yep. just know, like, and I was thinking too, like, it's like, uh, maybe there's just one moment that God has for you to do one thing. And it's like, uh, I don't know, like, I have a good example of that one, like, you know, something that would mean something to people. But, like, um, for instance, like, you know, earlier I was thinking of that movie Hacksaw Ridge with the conscientious conscientious objector. And, like, he went through all the stuff that he went through, and it was that one day that he saved, like, hundreds of people without firing a shot. But, you know... Yeah. Maybe that's your one day, like, God has something for you to do. But see, before that day, he was not considered important. No, he wasn't important. He wasn't considered special before that day. They yeah. made fun Great. of him and picked on him. And, Great point. You know, yeah. but then, you know, God had him in a place where he saved hundreds of people. And, you know, the people who made fun of him and looked down on him respected him and so were do thankful. you think do you think he felt important before that day no i don't either then you know except for maybe in god's eyes he may have felt because he felt like he was doing what god wanted him to do maybe. he might have understood you know the importance of obedience and that's the key so that's a great point to so you think about this, God says don't get weary in well-doing. But here's the question then, what is well-doing? What is, what is well-doing? Is well-doing being a pastor? Well, not if God hadn't called you to it. That, that's not well-doing at all. Matter of fact, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, even though I give my body to be burned or give all my possessions to the poor, but have not love. That means I'm outside of love. God is love. I'm outside of God. It profits me nothing. So what is well-doing? He says don't get weary in well-doing, but the issue is what is well-doing? Well-doing is being willing and obedient. It's believing on him that when he gave me a word, that that word, see here's the issue, and here's why people have gotten discouraged before. They have no faith that God can do something big in them when the things that they're doing don't look spectacular. So that guy, he doesn't look like he's doing anything spectacular. He doesn't look important, he doesn't look special, but as he upheld his beliefs and he didn't get weary in well-doing, God utilized him. And so part of our being special and important, and even whether we're called to five-fold ministry or not, part of that is recognizing that if I'll do what God's told me to do, it's always going to be special. Yeah. It's, 
It's always going to be important. Why? Simply because he told me to do it. That's it. Simply because that's what he told me to do. That's my special assignment. That's my, that's my important assignment. Did you have Yeah, I did had one other thing too. You know, you mentioned about having a Lamborghini. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think to people see that just basically as a status symbol. Like, you say a Lamborghini, like, which one would you want? Right. Oh, <laughs> just a Lamborghini. Okay. Um, do you want the car or the tractor? Right. Because they have a tractor that's made by Lamborghini makes tractors also. Yeah. So, um, you know, it'd be really cool. Like God, God told me I'm getting a Lambo. Like, I believe it. I believe it. It's coming. It's coming. And then you're sitting in the house, and it's like rumble, 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 rumble. And you're like, "What in the world is that?" I'm like, "There's Lambo out there. There's keys." Like, you know. Did you have something? Okay. Go ahead, Shane. Okay. Um, yeah, I think another thing just to be mindful of, which I have to be mindful of myself is that the enemy really wants us to believe God is withholding something from us. And so really standing against that, whenever that thought comes to mind that God yeah. isn't giving me these things, that to know that's a lie. And also I'm just thinking like a natural example as a parent, maybe you decide, oh, at a certain age, I'm going to give my kid a cell phone. At a certain age, I'm going to give my kid a car. At a certain age, I'm going to give my kid, you know, some experience. And that kid could be before the age that it's time to get that phone. And is all angry and upset because my parent hasn't given me this thing yet, but the time has not yet come for them to receive the thing. And it's in the parent's heart and intention to give the kid that thing. Um, and I think sometimes we can, I think God is like that with us sometimes. That, And he puts those desires, you know, as a kid you desire to have a phone, and you wait, await the day to receive the phone and to believe the day will come, the and the phone will come, and I think, yeah, different gifts or things that we desire from God are like that as well. Just how Barrett was saying before every great revival, people came together and they prayed diligently. So uh, one avenue that you could fulfill that is 6 a.m. prayer. Like, it, it's taught me so much about prayer and about the Spirit. And you're already very, you've been in church for a long time, but just that faithfulness of coming together and being that like the spine of the body it it's that's like the specialness like the fulfillment of like I'm doing something I'm covering the body we're protected we're covered in prayer and coming and being a part of that it's so fulfilling so that could be an avenue for you of not instead of staying up all night get a good night's sleep and come to 6 a.m. prayer you know and it's it's so so good, and you know that. But I know it's on your heart, so maybe that's just something. That is that is something that I think you're right. That is something that the Lord's been bringing up for a long time. I remember um, a long time ago, I was we had an impact class where it was just like literally Jesus just showed up, and everyone was just on the floor, and. Uh, um, and I remember that night I was on my way home and I was like, God, how do, I don't remember the words that I said, but I said something like, God, how do we, um, see your will come to pass on the earth? And I, I remember it was, it, it, I believe it was the Holy Spirit because it was so instant. 
And I asked a question, and as soon as I asked it, the verse came up to me. If my people will humble themselves and pray, then I'll heal their land. Right? Yeah. So it's biblical. <laughs> yeah, amen. I think it's important for y'all to realize, too, all the, I mean, well, most of the examples you gave were the seemingly insignificant, yeah. the non-glamorous of housing the ark. Well, I mean, I've got a spare room. You know, we can stick it in there. You know, well, I can build, you know, a place for somebody to come sleep when they pass through town. Well, I could inconvenience myself and give you the last bit of flour and oil. None of these things seem significant. Spectacular. Right. They seem so small and even an inconvenience in some ways. But yet, those are the things we're talking about. The widow's mite, seemingly nothing. What are you going to do with the mite? You know, seemingly insignificant. And yet, those are the things we're still talking about today. And those are the things upon which your foundation is built. So the word tells you, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the kingdom. Faith is knowing. I'm going to do what God's told me today. And I know everything I do in obedience, God will reward. Maybe it's in a year or for my kids, 13 before they can get the phone. You know, maybe it's in a year or 13. But I know I walk in obedience today. I will see fruit on this. And it's, Lord, I thank you. I was obedient today. You gave me a word. I stood on that word. Tomorrow, you will give me another word. I'll stand on that word. And when you're walking in that faith and patience, you'll look back and you'll see there's people following you. Because as you were walking in faith and patience, your seemingly insignificant acts were housing the miraculous. And seeing that manifestation just happen. Faith and patience. Well, and again, don't get weary in well-doing is well-doing is simply obedient. But many times we don't see the spectacular, we don't see the momentous, and so we drop our faith. We drop our faith. We let doubts come in that we're doing something good. If you are, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, if you are placed in the body and you're obedient to be in your place, you are fulfilling your destiny. You are fulfilling your purpose. And you might not see the fullness of it. You might not even know the fullness of it. But think about this. I've been thinking about this the last few days. Smith Wigglesworth. You know, I, want, I want you to see something. Does anybody ever heard the story of Lester Summerall going to see Smith Wigglesworth at the end of his life? And... Lester Sumrall is expecting, here's this great man of God. We know him as Smith Wigglesworth who raised the dead and who did all these great things. And Lester Sumrall went, and if it's my understanding, he's expecting people to be there. Lester was the only one who went to go see him. So a lot of times this world, this corrupted world, has a way of only acknowledging greatness after they're gone. You know, they only acknowledge greatness after they're gone. They don't see what's in front of their face. Same thing with Jesus. Very few saw Jesus for who he was while he was alive. 
Very few. You know, they saw him as the carpenter's son. Okay, well, we can recognize that that's going to be the place, but let's, let us not fall into that trap and think that we're not doing great and mighty things simply by being willing and obedient. We have to recognize that if we are being obedient to God, we are doing exactly what he's called us. That's what makes us great. That's what makes us powerful is obedience to him. And now I will, I will say this. So like one of the things you said was, Lord, tell me, you know, stay up all night and read my Bible and do this. I'll do it because I want to be used by you. See, we don't have to have a pastor attached to the title or any other thing. We just need to be obedient, whatever it is. But here's something to, you know, he has told us to do that, almost exactly that. First Thessalonians 5 and, and verse 17, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterings. So one of the things that we see is that God's actually told us to spend time with them all the time, but, but truth be told, how much time do we spend with them? A lot of the things that we're looking for is in that intimacy. In him, we live and move and have our being. He's already told us to be there. You know, uh, he tells us to not forsake gathering together, and we can gather with him all the time. You know, that we could gather with him all the time. He says, you know, return to your first love, which means intimate fellowship with God. And many of the things that we're looking for, and we're, the reason we're not walking in what our heart is yearning for these great spectacular things is because we haven't spent time with them. What made, what made Joshua the man that took over the nation? He refused to leave the tent. Where the tent of meeting was and Moses would meet with God, their meeting would get done, Joshua wouldn't leave it. That's what separated. Caleb was awesome. Actually, Caleb said more stuff, but Joshua was the one that took over Israel. And I think you see it in that moment. He kept himself in the presence of God. He stayed there. He, you know, what's fellowship with God? You have corporate worship as a part of that, but spirit-led word, spirit-led worship, spirit-led prayer. Those are individual parts of it. We need this time together, but we need those individual times. And we need to stay in the face of God. We need to get in our Bible. We need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to worship in spirit and in truth. We need to worship. We need to pray. We need to be in our word. I love the you know, daily Bible that we've been reading, the Bible in a year. It's been awesome. And, uh, but, and I think it's awesome that we can kind of be tracking through it at the same time. You can catch up. It's not that far. Just you know, read two or three each day if you're behind and catch up. Uh, do it till you catch up. You know, but the issue is, we need to be in the Word more. It's like what we said at the beginning about being tripped up, being tripped up by not knowing the Word. The more we know the Word, the less we'll be tripped up. The more humble we'll be, the more faithful we'll be. We'll walk in all these things, and we'll start to do this, the spectacular. We have to, the issue is, you know, talking about hunger and how to stay hungry for those things, we can't look at what we're doing just because it's not spectacular right now as if it's not the right thing. When we know that God's told us to do something, be in fellowship with him, and we know that he's told us to do it, we keep doing it. 
whether we feel like it or not. And as we keep willing and obedient, and we're feeding on the things of God, we don't realize it. We look back, and, and if we could kind of see it, we still feel the same. We don't realize we've become a spiritual giant. You, know? you don't realize how much you've grown in those things. That's what's happening right now to every person that's going after God. You're starting to become a spiritual giant. You know, and you don't get in pride, but you don't stop what you're doing because you don't see the spectacular quite yet. Sometimes that spectacular is right around the corner. And to stay hungry, we can't drop our faith that spectacular things are happening. Like, you think about this. Think about this. Uh, what made King David's life spectacular? Was it while he was on the throne that made it spectacular? Or was it him learning how to trust God with the sheep in the field when he was a boy? What made, what made his fellowship with God in the middle of that field? Trusting God to beat the lion and the bear, right? What made him a great king were those moments. Those moments where nobody was watching. Those moments where his own dad was like, yeah, that's all I got. I don't have any more. Oh, yeah, there's David, but surely you're not talking about David, are you? Bring him in. Oh, that's exactly who I'm looking for. Even when his own family overlooked him because of his lack of spectacularness. But he was in the right place because while he was out there with those sheep being obedient to his own earthly father and in fellowship with his heavenly father, something was happening on the inside of him that even he didn't know. He didn't know that at that very moment, you know, he could have been out in the field like complaining like, man, I don't get any respect. I don't get any respect. You know, I get no respect. And he might be sitting in that field going, I don't get any respect. And at that very moment, the prophet's in his house looking for a king to anoint. What's it got for? It's time for us to not get weary in well-doing, but just do what God's told us to do and trust that the Lord is bringing it to pass. It's not our business to bring it to pass. It's our business to believe that God's going to bring it to pass through us. And when he tells me something, I do that. When he, when he redirects me, I redirect quickly. When he tells me to repent and go this way, I repent quickly and go that way. When he gives me a schedule or tells me to wake up for 6 a.m. prayer, I, I change that. I go do that. When he tells me to take out trash, I take out trash. When he tells me to, tells me to greet somebody, I don't really want to greet. Yeah, I greet them anyway. Right? Those are the moments that make greatness. And we trust him. Amen? Good talk. Glory to God. <laughs> Did you like this? I want you to just, just stand up on your feet. Let's just praise God for a minute. I want to pray for people. If you got to use the bathroom, go use the bathroom real quick. Yeah, that's what I thought. In the meantime, if you don't, I want us to worship. Let's just praise and worship for a few minutes. I'm going to pray over some people. Yeah, see, I want people's heads in the game when we pray. <laughs> right now their heads are in the bathroom. Mine is too, that's why I offered that. So I'm going to go use the bathroom as well, but let's just worship him. Lord, thank you. We give you glory. We praise you. We worship you.
Thank you, Father. Lord, let us be who you called us to be. Let us be who you called us to be. Holding nothing back. Thank you, Father. Somebody lead it so I can go use the bathroom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you. Right now, let's just receive this. Lord, we just receive. And whatever you tell us to do, Lord, we'll be willing and obedient. And we will eat the good of the land. And we'll be used by you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you the glory. And we thank you. Hallelujah. Play some music on the computer back there. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you want something specifically, 
Um, I'm going to give you opportunity in a minute and we'll pray over people and the Holy Ghost touch you and anoint you for whatever it is you need. But what I, what I want right now is everybody can sit down and uh, if you had if you had what you felt like was some kind of soul tie that you need that thing to be changed or you have concerns about that, you want the power of that broken off your life. And I want you to understand that soul tie can be something like what you were like what you had going on, where let me just give you some examples of where you thought you should be a certain minister. And you know it's not right now, but man, I I had a hard time getting over that. Or a soul tie can be that you had an obsession, you know, with something that you shouldn't have been obsessed with. Um, it, it can be a person or uh, it could be a, you know, a, a, an interest. It could be a job. You know, sometimes people can get a soul tie over a, a certain title or position in a job you know, or a certain financial bracket to be in. You know, some people can get a soul tie like they just got to be a millionaire. They got to be a millionaire. Never heard it from God. They just Maybe they heard it all their life, all their life. If you're not a millionaire, you're nothing. Right? You're not a millionaire, you're nothing. Or you heard something else. If you're not a 5 0 minister, you're nothing. You know? No, that's not true. That's not true at all. That is not Bible, right? But it could be a number of things that you can be obsessed over. It could be a person. It could be, it could be uh, being a certain status or maybe a status of I got to have a boyfriend or I got to have a girlfriend or I'm nothing or I got to be married or I'm nothing. I got to have kids or I'm nothing. I got to have grandkids. You see, it just goes on. It goes on and on because we, and watch this, the issue is we should be satisfied in God. But what we've done is we've started that saying, I can only be satisfied with something else, with a certain status, with a certain title. And instead of looking into God and in Him we live and move and have our being, we've turned something else into the source and we've started to worship that. So a soul tie can be so many different things. And if you feel like there's something that you need that broken over your life, you know what it is, and I want you to stand up, you just stand up, I'm going to pray, let the seat catch you. Ushers can still go with us. But it, it can be so many different things from, from heavy and hard things or it can, be, it can be light. I was talking about it the other day. One time I watched a program on television. And as I watched that, I watched it at the wrong time. I was feeling like I'd been working really hard and I felt like I deserved, right? I've been working so hard I deserve a break. So I watched the program. What I did was I didn't just drop my physical work. I dropped my spiritual guard, right? And as I watched that program, like it set a soul tie in my head. And it, it jacked me up for some months. And this is after I was a pastor, you know, and this was a few years ago. And it was, it jacked me up, and I had to work on that, and it was hard, and hopefully y'all didn't know the difference, but, man, I was struggling with it because it set some stuff in my head that I was like, my, my spirit didn't want any part of it, but, boy, my flesh wanted a part of it, right? And uh, it, I was telling them the other day, it, it was a program that had some technology, in it, and it was like robot and different things and everything, but I watched it, and the Holy Spirit told me not to watch it, but I was tired. And I watch it, well, what I didn't know was whoever wrote it was under some kind of demonic influence, 
And all of a sudden, I saw things I shouldn't have seen. Some violent stuff, different things. And all of a sudden, it was like my flesh was yearning for this ungodly garbage. And because I want you to see this, I'm at the level where I should have listened to what the Holy Spirit said. But because I was tired, I dropped my spiritual guard and made a mistake. And I was tired. And what I needed to do was not watch that. You know, God has mercy on us. And we have levels that we grow to. I was at the level I should have listened and I didn't. And I made a mistake. But I'm telling you, it hurt me and it hurt my forward momentum because for the next six months or so, all of my effort was just breaking that soul tile. Like I had to break that thinking out of me because what I had seen, it affected me. It hurt me spiritually. And so you can have so many different things. And if you've ever fallen into a trap or even had an environment around you that's told you and told you, you got to be this or you got to be that. And your thinking has a stronghold. It's got to be this way. But God didn't author it. That's the kind of stuff that you'll want to receive prayer for in this. Amen? So if that's you, you just stand up and I'm going to pray. And I don't have to know the details about what those things are. But what, what I want you to do is just receive. In the name of Jesus. You come with me. Receive. In the name of Jesus. That thing is broken out of my life by the anointing of God today. In Jesus' name. It's broken. It's broken. It's broken. It'll never be the same. I'll not deal with it again. It's broken. I receive the fullness of salvation. Amen? Glory to God. And uh, just for the number of people standing up, there's probably more of you, so if you need to, stand up. Amen. Thank you. Understand, you know, I just told you about mine when I was a pastor, right? They knew better, and I still missed it, messed up. You know, there's so many different things. that Don't let a devil trick you out of not receiving at the time that you need to be receiving. You know, remember that Jesus said you didn't recognize your time of deliverance. There's a time, tonight is a night of deliverance of that. And it's a time of deliverance. Recognize that and receive it tonight. Amen. Thank you, Father. Just raise your hands. Lord, I receive from you. Yeah. Hey, I, every wrong soul tie broken now. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Open it. Just keep receiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I receive. I receive right now. Your anointing and your touch. I let go of it all. Tonight is my night of deliverance in Jesus name say Lord I release that thinking I release that that bondage in Jesus name yeah say it with me say I receive I release that bondage I receive that deliverance in Jesus name Thank you. In the name of Jesus, every, every bit of pressure, <laughs> every bit of pressure be removed now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, there you go. There it is. That's that release right there. You feel that? Come off. 
You felt that weight? I felt it lift right there. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. You felt that? Hallelujah. Just praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Who just sit down. Who just keep receiving. Oh, glory to God. Now, glory of the Lord pour out in her. Woo. <laughs> glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just stand in front of your chair there. Sotonomoso. In the name of Jesus. Just say, Lord, I receive every bondage broken in Jesus' name. Oh, Vratanamasa. Just sit down and receive. Just keep receiving. Yeah, glory to God. Yeah, Sotonomoso. And feel. Filled with the Holy Ghost. All of that space that may have felt blank now. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't be filled. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Say, Lord knows, I don't want to be filled. But I shall be filled. In the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, I release it. I won't be tied to it any longer in Jesus' name. Whoo, and fill her with the Holy Ghost. Da, 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 de, ko, ba, da, da, ba. Just sit down and keep receiving. <laughs> Raise your hands. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I won't be tied to that thing any longer. In the name of Jesus, be broken. Every soul tie, every binding thought. Be broken now in the name of Jesus. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just sit down and keep receiving. Just say, Lord, I hand it over to you. I hand it over to you. Every binding thought, every thought tied to something that's not of you. I just, it's broken now. I receive that breaking of every chain in Jesus' name. Lord, and fill her, and fill her, and overflow her in the name of Jesus with your Holy Ghost. Now as you sit down, just keep receiving. Keep receiving. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I let go of every thought that's not tied to you in Jesus' name. Yeah, there it is now. That anointing that breaks the yoke. Thank you, Father. Now just pray in the Holy Ghost with me. Lord, be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Be filled, be filled, be filled. Never the same, never the same, never the same. Be filled, be filled. Be filled. Say it with me. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I receive every thought that's not tied to you as cut off of my life now in Jesus' name. 
Yeah, that's not who I am. I am a child of the King. I'm a child of you, Lord. I'm a child of you. I am yours and you're mine. And I receive you as my source for everything in Jesus' name. That old thinking that I had to be this or that. No, I have to be obedient to you, Lord. And I receive you as my supply and my source. Did any cut a Yeah. Every thought, you can sit down there. So to the Kodaboso. Every thought. Say it, every thought that's not tied to you. I break it now in the name of Jesus. I let go of it. It's not mine for any more. In Jesus' name. Seca copere o predico. Hupo fredicome. La nine costara. Bani caraboso. Now, Lord, fill and overflow in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and sit down. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. And be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. So that in filled and overflowing in Jesus' name. Now, stir up the gift right now. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Say it with me. Say, Lord, I break every tie in Jesus' name. So, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. So, yeah, and tonight's a night of freedom for you. It's the night you've been looking for. And just right now, Lord, say it with me. Yeah. There it is. Lord, I'm not tied to that anymore. No. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. That anointing, there it is. It's your night. Nothing will ever be the same. In Jesus' name. Every bit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just keep receiving. Just keep receiving. In the name. Say it with me. Say, Lord, I break every tie to wrong thinking that's not been of you. Every place where I thought I had to have Myself as a source or something else as a source that wasn't you. Lord, I break it now. And I have your, your line, your provision, and only your provision in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Oh, in Jesus' name. Name in Jesus' name, and be filled and overflowing with the Holy Ghost. So, <laughs> you feel that? In the name of Jesus, say, Lord, I break every tie, I don't have any part with it in Jesus' name. So, Lord, fill it. And overflow, break every thought 
that's not of you. In Jesus' name. Just sit down, keep receiving. Hada kodomoso boso boso. In Jesus' name, ha, 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 sovo. Yeah, and now in the name of Jesus, peace, peace be. In Jesus' name, complete cleansing. I'm talking about every bit of crud that's trying to hang on, every bit of it, chipped off by the, at the hands of the great worksmen, the great craftsmen. At the hands of Christ, every bit chipped off and broken. Not clinging anymore. Not clinging anymore in the name of Jesus. Whoo, a new creation. A new creation. Fill her with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Ban Kodi, Ban Okurabo, Banamo pick her up. Banamakurabosabo Samani, Haramataraba, Barama stand up. Keep receiving. And I receive. Say, I receive. All you got for me. All the special. All the important. I receive it now in Jesus' name. Dunamo, come over here, get a one on each side. And when she goes down, don't set her in the chair. Just lay her down here because she ain't going to make it there. Lift her up. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How do you need to hit any? Dunamo, In the name of Jesus. Daniko, Freddy. Whoo. Bomenicara. Yeah, and feel with the Holy Ghost. Never the same, never the same, never the same, never the same. In Jesus' name. So that's it. Put your hands on your belly. In Jesus' name. No longer tied. Don't have to be bound by those thoughts. Not bound by the constrictions of that the world has taught. In Jesus' name. Uh, not bound by the constrictions that were outside of love and things that were told and taught, it has to be this way. I don't have to protect myself, God protects me. I don't have to provide for myself, God provides for me. My work is to believe on Him. My work is not to outwork every other person. My work is to believe on Him in Jesus' name. Every tie broken. Every tie in Jesus' name. Now just let it go. I <laughs> say, Nikki, yeah, it's no longer yours. No longer yours. No longer yours. You ain't carrying it anymore. In Jesus' name. Not carrying it anymore. Yeah, just receive that. Hosta bani kata hosta. Yeah. Just say it with me. Say, Lord, I let go of all that that's not of you. 
and I have you. <laughs> yeah, the end. Jesus name. Super penny carabosable. Bene mo komo. Pani ere elfo no vopone me. Pomana mosobo. Pani kerebese. Sedeme. Every thought process, every tie to ungodliness, every tie to undisciplinedness, every tie that I've got to use the system. Be broken now in Jesus' name. So yeah, thank you, Lord, for that anointing now. Breaking every yoke. That's not who I am anymore. I'm in Christ. I'm found in Him. I'm provided for in Him. In Jesus' name, that's who you are. You are not the identity that the world has wrapped you in. You are not the identity that the world has labeled you. You are in Him. In Jesus' name. Lord, let your anointing now fill her right now in the name of Jesus. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. Yeah, I'm not, say it with me, I'm not who I thought I was. I am who God thinks I am. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, every tie to old thoughts be broken now. Everything that's not tied to God be broken now in the name of Jesus. And the fullness of God rise up and be filled, be full and be filled in the name of Jesus. Filler and overflower with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Jesus' name. Just lift your hand. Say, Lord, today I won't be bound by all of those old thoughts. I won't be bound by stuff the world has taught me or even things that the world has said to me. I'll only be tied to your promises and the things of your love in Jesus' name. Say, Lord, today I receive every bit of provision and your love for me. And anything that's not of you be broken off now in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, you're anointing. Fill and overflow her in Jesus' name. Fire of God, shoot through her life now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let it purge every binding cord, every soul tie. Let it burn it off. Let any only thing that remains is herself and her freedom in you, in Jesus' name. So then, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Nani kararara do brenik. Kenamoso bo banamoso. 
Just sit down. Just keep receiving. Whoo, just keep receiving. Hold hands. In the name of Jesus, every thought that's tried to hold you and tie you, that's not who you are. In the name of Jesus, we break those things off. We agree together. Those things and its power over you. The curse that you thought was on you. The curse and the bondage that you thought was going to hold you back. That's always haunted you. That's always said you'll never be that much. Every bit, every type of curse that's tried to be a bondage and a stronghold in your life. It is no more in Jesus' name. It's no more in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. A new freedom and a new expectation comes today. A new freedom and a new expectation comes tonight like you've never seen it before. Oh, glory to God. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. It's going to be outstanding. It's going to be more than enough in Jesus' name. Fullness and wholeness. In the name of Jesus. Who be filled and overflowing in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit service indeed. Every tie, every tie, every demonic thing that he tried to drill down and hold you back in the name of Jesus, just like it was broken from that grave, sliced out of your life in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. You have wholeness, forgiveness, peace, and grace in the name of Jesus. And be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire today. Just receive that right now. Keep receiving, keep receiving. Now filled and overflowing now. Filled and overflowing now in the name of Jesus. Just pray in the Holy Ghost with us. Pray it, pray it with a grace and a boldness. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. A boldness. In the Holy Ghost, boldness. Pray in the Holy Ghost. 
Hasopra kono mota na ost kenei kalo bani karabosa roma karabosa. Hallelujah. 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 And so pada mokono bom bana mokono That's fine. Sit right there. Bana mosabo. Everybody's receiving in seats tonight. <laughs> ah, step a little bit more to your right. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, every tie, everything. See, I see it right now. It's been like chains around your head that you couldn't get out of that. You kept wrapped up in one set of thoughts, and it was like never could break out of those thoughts, kept going back to it. Tonight, it comes to an end. In Jesus' name. Tonight, it comes to an end. Do you receive that? Yes. <laughs> glory to God. Say, Lord, I let go of it. It's not who I am anymore. I don't have any ties to anything not of you. I tie myself to you, Lord, and that's all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, every tie be broken, be let loose. We thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Now filled, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Jesus' name. Filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Whew. I think most people received what they needed, but if there's something else, I told you, if you needed something else, you're praying and believing for something outside of that, just stand up now. Whew. Or just raise your hands, fine. Were you raising your hand? <laughs> you just praising God? Well, keep on praising God. Amen. <laughs> if you need something else, just raise your hand so I, real quick. <laughs> Is he raising his hand? <laughs> I'm glad the ushers were on top of that. That's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, just pick them up. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your anointing. <laughs> amen. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Tonight. Amen. Tell me. Okay, all right. Over her or you? Okay, just lift your hands right now. Right now, Father, anything in any ties in anywhere in the past over Masonic rituals, over Masonic curses, Lord, in the name of Jesus, your name is above every name. Just say this with me. Say, Lord, right now, I reject any connection. I reject any uh, covenant that was not of you, that was tied to something not of you, I reject it, I renounce it, I have no part with it, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be free! In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Ha ha kana ara osa te, te ne kere boso. 
thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and freedom and your anointing and blessing that's not needed to come through men, but to come from Christ alone. A blessing may come by Christ through men, but it's not originating with men. Father, we have no blessing that originates just with men. We have the blessing that comes from you. And that blessing will overflow and protect in Jesus' name. Any tie to that that was not of you be broken now in the name of Jesus. And a new covenant is walked in. No need for a lesser covenant. Lord, we, we accept and we receive the fullness of your covenant now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a great prayer. That's a great prayer. <laughs> Anyone else? Asabokabani metene, harabosvani, taramaka hato tenini, dalokobreni hede karaboso, bandishofarabosubeti kalai. Lord, true. Just say it with me. Say, Jesus, I break any tie, anything that's not of you. I will not be limited by worldly thinking or a fleshly thinking. But Lord, break all the limits off now. Let your truth set me free in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, every tie that has held him back or held him down be broken now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, there it is working in you now. Now you just let go. See, I can tell he's bringing it up to the surface right now. He's already loose that, and you just let that go. Lord, I let it go. Just say that. That's it. I let it go. It's not me. I reject it. I renounce it. And I only receive you and your ways in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your anointing right now doing a work. A deep, deep work. Thank you from long ago. Atamata. He's not under a curse of his family any longer in Jesus' name. He's not under a curse that it's always going to go bad. It won't go right with my family. No, it's going to go good because you've received a different family blessing and a different covenant. You've received a covenant not based on the blood of this world, but you've received a covenant based off of the blood of Christ. Lord, we have it now. Every bit in Jesus' name. A fullness. I see a new face coming to your life. A new face coming to your life. It's a face of joy, a face of peace, a face without being under scorn, and a face without being under the thorn. It's not under the curse of toil. It's not of scorn and it's not under the thorn in the name of Jesus. Do you receive that? Yeah. Then take it by faith right now. It's a new day. 
And be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Spirit. Sit down and receive. Just be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just lean back. Just rest and in His peace and grace. In Jesus' name. Same. I understand. Dynamosa, say it with me. Say, I renounce. I renounce. Yeah. And I reject, and I reject. Any, covenant any covenant not based in your blood, Jesus, in your blood. And, in your will. and in your will. But the will of heaven, will be, of done heaven. be done in my life. I have no part with anything else. No with anything in the name of Jesus, by his name, I establish, I establish your, covenant your covenant with me. In the name of Jesus, I have no part with any other covenant. I'm telling you, you're getting freedom right now. And you, I, I can sense it. Sadana Anakadamosa is coming off of you and coming out of your life. No more curse. No more curse. In the name of Jesus, I have no part with Masonic, Masonic covenants. Thank you, Lord. So In the name of Jesus. Everything that's not of you be released. No more ties in the name of Jesus. Yeah, but filled with a new covenant by His blood. That's a deliverance for you tonight. In Jesus' name. What you're experiencing, what you're feeling is as that tie is broken and that covenant is broken off of your life, you're going to see things differently in Jesus' name. You're, see, you're feeling this even physically. You're feeling it physically in your body. I'm telling you, it's different. So you're feeling that release of that thing, right? Yeah, it feels weird. It feels weird to you, doesn't it? It feels strange. It's a strange feeling. I get it. I understand it. You're receiving the deliverance of it. In Jesus' name. Now be filled with the Holy Ghost from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Thank you, Lord. Be filled. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Is she a double toweler? <laughs> Anyone else? Did I miss anybody? Ooh, how many people feel different? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, we don't move by feelings, but you do have some. That it will be even the manifestation of what God did at times. And we're not moved by that. We move by faith, right? Amen. Glory to God. Let's take our uh, communion cup. Let's seal this tonight. Let's remember what God has done. As long as you're not laying on the floor and can't. Yeah. Thank you, Father. 
The word says in the night that he was betrayed, in the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he took the cup and he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. What is he telling us? He's telling us, remember the price that he paid. He paid for your freedom. He prayed for all those soul ties to be broken. He paid a price. He loved you so much that he gave his life even when he could have come off of that cross. He didn't come off of that cross. He could have called for 12 legions of angels. He didn't didn't call for those angels. No, he took it. He went through every bit of it. He said, look, I know it's going to hurt my body. I know it's not going to be fun. He cried tears of anguish. He was praying in anguish in that garden just so he could go through it for us. Just, just for us, for you to be free. How, how free should we be if he did that? How free should we, how important should we take it? Right? How important should we look at it? Man, I, I need to be free of this little piece of plastic. <laughs> I, all right, good. Yeah, it's almost there. I about had it. I did the hard work. <laughs> But we need to put some faith and we need to put, watch this, we need to put some covenant towards this. Lord, you gave me your body and you broke your body so that mine would never have to be broken. And so I give you my body. I give you my physical actions and my physical life for you. You gave me the lifeblood. You gave me your lifeblood. I give you all of my life for you. I give you all of my actions and all of my thoughts. I remember what you did. I do not lightly esteem it. I esteem your body and your blood. I esteem it today and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, we praise you. We remember the price you paid and the love that you poured out on us. We praise you. We worship you. We give you all of the glory and the honor. And Lord, we make the covenant with you. You are our Lord. You are our Lord. You're the director of our lives. What you tell us to do and ask us to do, we will do. And we make a covenant and we make a commitment to you today that Lord, we're we're living for you. Where you cut your life short, each one of us takes our life and we live for you. It's not ours anymore to make decisions, to defend ourselves. Our job is to do what you tell us to do. We make that commitment to you tonight, and we thank you for saving us and setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take the body and the blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good gracious. Hold it. Hold it. EO, hold it. Yeah, no, that's not what I meant, but okay. (laughs) She got it.
Did you receive tonight? Amen. It was a good night. Love you guys. Thank you, everybody, for everything. Hallelujah. We can do the Baptist thing, all hearts and minds clear. Good. <laughs> Father, we just praise you. We thank you for a great night. We give you all of the glory and the honor. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for clearing us tonight, bringing freedom, breaking old things that have held us back so that we can go to new heights in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a good night. Love you.